Welcome to the Grace World Podcast. I'm Dan Hewitt. And I'm Becky, his wife. This is episode 127. Hello, everyone. Hi there. How are you this delightful day? I'm good. good. Are you asking me or the everyone? I'm asking everyone. I know we Hi are. Hi, guys. In, how are you? We're in post Thanksgiving recovery mode. <laughs> Just time to relax. So, actually, slept for 11 and a half hours last night. <laughs> well, not all in one fell swoop, you didn't. No, but, but all yes, we totaled. were in bed for a nice long time. I was tired. We had a wonderful week <clears throat> with some of our children here and just had some lots of family. Well, two big family events at our house and mm-hmm. some other fun things with them. So it was really good. It's a party. Yeah. And also tiring. And so we are recovering. So today will be a little bit more low key, although we both have <laughs> resources on the desk we here. Got so I have out. a feeling we have... we're going to find some things to talk about in Galatians chapter five. Galatians, which, hey, surprise. That's our topic today, is Galatians chapter 5. That's not a <laughs> surprise. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> I know. That was that then, was a joke. Right, right. Is joke. So you want to jump in? You want me to read? I think we do want to jump in. So remember... Are you going to read first? Um, yeah, I can read a little bit. No, I will read. Oh, your, you will read? But I was just going to say, remember last... To, yeah, yeah, give some... Give some or as we say... Set up. Previously, previously on Grace World, mm-hmm. Hagar was being kicked out, and <laughs> and so we were differentiating between living in slavery and living in freedom, so... Yes. All right, so freedom is living in grace, slavery is... Living under the law. So much packed into that little word, isn't there, and all of that? Mm-hmm. Yes, very much. All right. Well, then let's jump into Galatians chapter 5. All right. I'm going to read from the Passion. Okay. At last we have freedom, for Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. I, Paul, tell you, if you think there is benefit in circumcision and Jewish Jewish regulations, then you're acting as though Christ is not enough. I say it again emphatically. If you let yourselves be circumcised, you are obliged to fulfill every single one of the commandments and regulations of the law. If you want to be made right with God by fulfilling the obligations of the law, you have cut off more than your flesh. You have cut yourselves off from Christ and have fallen away from the revelation of grace. But... We have the true hope that comes from being made right with God. And by the Spirit, we wait eagerly for this hope. When you are joined to the Anointed One, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. All that matters now is living in the faith that works and expresses itself through love. Before you were led astray, you were so faithful. Who has deceived you so that you have turned from what is right? The one who enfolded you into his grace is not behind this false teaching that you've embraced. Don't you know that when you allow even a little lie into your heart, it can permeate your entire belief system? Deep in my heart, I have confidence that the Lord who lives in you will bring you back around to the truth. 
and I am convinced that those who trouble you, whoever they think they are, will bear the penalty. Dear friends, why do you think the religious system persecutes me? Is it because I preach the message of being circumcised and keeping all the laws of Judaism? Not at all. Is there no longer any offense over the cross? To tell you the truth, I am so disgusted with all your agitators. I wish they would go even further and cut off their legalistic influence from your lives. Beloved, that's, that's a nice a, way, of saying. way of saying what he says. <laughs> Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom and don't view this wonderful, uh, but don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Constantly love each other and be committed to serve one another. For all the law can be summarized in one grand statement. Demonstrate love to your neighbor, even as you care for and love yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. I might pause there and see if you want to have any discussion about any of that. Let's go hit the whole thing. Okay. And we're going to kinda, All right, I'll keep going then. We'll kind of spray paint this and do a few layers on it. Let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. I love this version for this next list here. Here's the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus Christ have already experienced crucifixion, for everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. If the Spirit is the source of our life, we must also allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. So may we never be arrogant or look down on one another, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. Excellent. Amen. <clears throat> so the first obvious big, big, big bullet is this chapter is somewhat in contrast with the last chapter, which is the last chapter is predominantly the law is not living by the spirit. And then this one, especially at the ending, is 
if you think that <laughs> then go do whatever you want and be sinful and a wild nut person driven by your own whatever that also is not living according to the spirit and that also is slavery and so the big picture here is what is freedom freedom is life in the spirit it's walking in the creative manner in which god designed you to be and anything outside of that is bondage Mm-hmm. Anything outside of the goodness of God that he has for you is destructive and damaging to you and to others. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we can go kind of start at the beginning here. So, you know, he basically starts out finishing the last. It's really kind of a tie into the last chapter. And I, I really love the NIV verse there. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, which is... Kind of, you know, growing up with some legalism, that's kind of a weird thing. What's the point of Christ? To be free. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and the big question then is free from what? Yeah. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. In fact, that's what, that is what he talks about. So he starts with, you know, do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. And this is, I mean, the words he uses in here are so emphatic. He says, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. That's like, huh, really? That seems kind of... And we're assuming that he's talking literally to them, but also we, of course, are talking figuratively. Yeah. You're circumcised. So... (laughs) Lots of men are circumcised. What I'm I'm trying to make a point here. Okay. Yes, it's circumcision. Literal is circumcision a, an is act right. In this, in these days, it was an act to say I tie myself to the law of Jehovah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. That's you could, why Christ well, doesn't matter to you them. You could not be a Jew if you were not circumcised right. as a male. Right. That was the first requirement, and then other than that, you had to then follow all the stuff. And now he says the opposite. Yeah. If you're circumcised, you're not joined to Christ, who is God. Right. And so the, the reality there is not, it, you know, see, there's a couple of things in here that if we just leave that one sentence, you're going to be confused. Like we're going to have something later on on the, on the acts of the flesh type of stuff, because that's going to be equally confusing if we just read it in the very short manner. <coughs> so... The idea there is the act of circumcision does not remove you. It's the act of saying, I'm going to be under the law and joining this club slash religion slash procedures slash all those things. Then you just stepped in. It literally says you have fallen from grace. Because guess well, what? My version doesn't say that. What it, does it literally say? In it the, says Young's. Uh, I don't know. It says, well, verse four in the IV says, you who are trying to be justified from the law by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Yes. Fallen away from. Yeah. You've made a choice. Your choice then is to live through uh, a system that says if you behave according to a set of rules, then you will be acceptable to God and be able to live in freedom. Now, I want to balance a thing here or not balance isn't even the word. There's a, 
often we think stuff, I mean, a lot of words that we're going to use in here, things in here, you can start reacting and saying, does that mean you've lost your salvation? Does that mean we're no longer loved by God? Or all those kind of questions. And the answer is, no, sometimes you're making choices that are going to hurt. They just are going to leave a mark. I fall from grace every day. Yeah, and it's like, so In he's not saying... In my own estimation, there I choose to disbelieve at some point every day and try to do something in my own strength we all do well some people no i'm kidding <laughs> so it's a it's a key thing there to understand though is why do you suppose okay keep it well it it's so key that we often think every verse is salvation or lack of salvation we're going to lose your salvation and because it kind of says that but it's like, read the big picture. Read what he's saying here. Read about the freedom in Christ. Reading about this thing that all of your sins have been taken away from you as far as the East is from the West. And then reconcile and bring all these things together. This is for freedom. So if he says, if you choose to do these other things, falling from grace isn't you go to hell. It means you might choose to live a life that's a hell. <laughs> Or you may live a miserable, wretched life, or you may just do some poor stuff that's not going to work out well for you. It may be that simple, or it may be utterly destructive, Mm -hmm. but it's all bondage, and it's all things that keep you away from the potential, the life that God really designs, has designed for you. So he goes in, and I mean, the whole stuff in verse 7 and stuff is... Who cut on you to cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? And he just talks about oh, how a sense of cutting theme. Yeah, it's a Zola bud. Well, somebody pulled a Zola bud. Who remembers that? Huh? You were running a good race. Who cut on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Go look up Zola bud. Just tell me. I'm not going to look it up. All right. She was in one of the Olympics. Gosh, back in the 80s, there was a some american girl i forget see the the problem girl is more famous than the other one there was an american girl who was slated and she was expected to win in i don't know the 880 or some big track event and an australian or a new zealand girl basically cut her off and tripped her on the track and so she went down and lost the race because of mm. zola bud cut it on cut her, her off mm. yep so, but the key is that kind of persuasion doesn't come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. So here's what happens. This is why Paul warns so often the little legalism stuff just creep in a little bit mm-hmm. at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's look mm-hmm. at, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Look at the Catholic church. Okay. It is the church. I will recognize it as the church. It started out with, you know, love your neighbor as your love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love the neighbor as yourself. Well, every year they had people in authority that said, we need to explain things better, so they added rules. And now the number of rules is, you know, volumes and volumes of rules. There's people that literally study, I know people that study Catholic law. You know, and same, the Jewish world is the same way. You had the Ten Commandments, then you have the whole 613 laws for the Old Testament, 
But then after the Babylonian captivity, they added the Talmud, which is thousands of more laws, which are the explanations of other laws and additional restrictions to make sure you don't break those laws. And so it isn't that somebody necessarily rolls up and says, hey, let's do a thousand new laws. They're like, hey, what if we added this one thing? You know, in fact, it reminds me of sales tax that people say, it's only a 0.1% sales tax, you know, and this one's only a 0.2% sales tax. I remember when I was Colorado Springs growing up, sales tax were 5%. Now they're at about eight. <coughs> so all of that occurred over, you know, 0.1 and 0.2 at a time. And it's the same with the law. Somebody said, I got a little idea. Let's just add this. And let's add this. And after hundreds and thousands of years, that's a big pile of rules. And it starts looking like a big pile of bondage. And then what happens, of course, is we spend our time just making sure we all check the boxes and follow the rules. And then we need to inspect other people to make sure they follow the rules. And so guess what? We're not living in freedom. So... let's jump to verse 13. He says, you were called to be free. Okay. So now he has to explain what freedom is. It's not the freedom to indulge the flesh. Now, flesh is an interesting word. It's a Greek word, sarks. Some people in some translations like to call this the sinful nature, but that's not really what the word means. I mean, literally the Greek word has to do with flesh, just meat, you know, that's where the word sarcophagus comes from. I get a splinter in my flesh. Yes. It's a. I cut my flesh yeah, when I was idea. chopping onions. Yes. Okay. Flesh. Flesh. Yeah. It's the meat. Again, we're back to circumcision. Right. Well, the point is it's the meat as opposed to the spirit. You know, so basically the implication of sarks is. You're driven by the indulgences of your physical passions as opposed to your spirit and the true heart. You're allowing yourself to be controlled by that. And that's really what the word sarks is. I don't like that a lot of translations call it the sinful nature because they then they bring in a whole theology that says you are by nature a sinner. That's who you are. Um, and so it dumps a lot of guilt and shame in there that really isn't in the actual language. It's, it's a derived idea there that I don't think belongs there. So, like it says in verse 14, do not use your freedom, or 13, your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. I like the way it said in the passion. Don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Yeah. So, because there's a lot of people that believe, well, I'm forgiven so I can do whatever I want. Oh, no, the opposite. Don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up base of operations in the natural realm. Yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. You read it correct. I did read it correct, you but did, I... You did a good job. Okay, whatever. Keep going. All right. <laughs> okay. Right. So there, but many people, there are those who think, you know, oh, 
I'm forgiven, therefore I can just do whatever. And that's, Let me keep going then here. Okay. Because um, to set up a base of operations in the natural realm, the next phrase is constantly love each other and be committed to serve one another. Mm-hmm. That's um, living from a heart that doesn't feel self-protective and that I have a, I can't give to other people that set up base of operations in the natural realm are living often or even part of their life um, out of a place of defensiveness or defensive mm-hmm. mechanism or a place like you said you know gratifying the passions of the of the flesh but even that is always I think based from some kind of um, lie or wound or sure. something that has caught trauma something that has caused a problem that makes us only want to take care of our needs at all costs. Sure. Because serving one another often means I put my needs aside to serve one another. You can even do that though from a natural realm. You can you can serve other people, and I'm gonna air quote serve. Mm-hmm. You can do things for other people that look like serving and still have a, a motive of somehow you're going to get something from that. Yeah. And it's going to it's going to satisfy your own need. Right. And so that's not freedom. Right. I think when that's, you constantly have in your mind, how can I get something from this? Yeah, that's the exact that's, I would word that I would use two simple words. That's not well, living from freedom. Do you have a give mentality or a get mentality? So. Do you see other people as something that you can get something from? Or is it that you see that you have something and it's there to be given to others? And it doesn't necessarily mean throwing yourself on a grenade all the time, yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. But it means you have stuff. You live in abundance. You are abundance. Mm -hmm. And you have things to give. Mm -hmm. And that's love. Love, love, love. All right. So I have a bunch of stuff to say, so okay, you can keep going and you, uh, you keep going. Well, but no. I just want you to know that I, I well, say have something. some things. Well, I'm going to launch into a whole thing. So go ahead. Ready, go. All right. You heard it, folks. She's backing up the truck. Beep. beep I uh, have studied the Enneagram. Our okay. family has studied the Enneagram as a, a way to help identify personality types and the way that people behave and what their, what their behaviors, where their natural bents and their behaviors are. It's been mm-hmm. a good tool for our family at some level to help understand each other and be able to offer grace in a little bit easier way. Um, and just to know how to live with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't talked about that very much lately, but as soon as I read this chapter, this book came to my mind that's my favorite Enneagram book called Self to Lose, Self to Find by Marilyn Vansill. And um, we will link this on the website if you want to, if you're interested okay. in getting this book. What I loved about this book, because there's a lot in this chapter, Galatians chapter five, mm-hmm. about losing yourself. And I've always caught, that's always caused me lots of problems because it sounds to me like myself is bad and myself who I am intrinsically is it comes from that what you were talking about before that sinful nature mentality that who I am is not worth right um, okay being mm-hmm. and what this book she does a great job um, even if you're not into the Enneagram there's still some things to understand she, <clears throat> she differentiates between 
your um, well, let's see if I can. I want to use her verbiage, but I don't want to lose my place that I wanted to read here. Hold, please. Do you need a third hand there to turn the book? I'll put on. Yeah, we'll put the on the authentic some self music. and the adapted self. Okay. The authentic self and the adapted self. Mm-hmm. And she says the adapted self is kind of like the seed, a seed that is coated with an outer layer on purpose to have a protective coating until it has the right environment in which it can lose its protective coating and get the nutrients that it needs. And then it opens, it sheds that protective coating and opens itself up for growth. And in lots of areas in our lives, we still live like we need that protective coating. And especially as adults, there should be areas in our life, and as Paul is talking about it, where freedom comes, where you can open yourself and not live in the protective coating. So she is saying that the protective coating is the, the part of your life that would be living in the natural realm. It's a... The adapted self is the way that you figured out early on in life how to take care of your needs because obviously you everybody comes with needs and you have to figure out how to get those needs met and we figure that out very, very early in life before we even have cognitive thought about it. But if we allow those patterns of taking care of ourselves to continue on past the developmental age that is necessary for that that's where we've latched on to this personality type that helps us get what we need or we think it still helps us get what we need so is the adaptive necessarily bad or it's just something that you have to be in non-intimate or people that you're not safe with or is it only bad if you're stuck there forever yeah, What's I don't think she difference? probably ever uses the word that it's bad. It's right. definitely necessary at some points okay. in your life. But if you are if that is your the way that you operate all the time That's with people, you're probably not living in freedom. Right. You're not living in your authentic okay. self. So you can use the Enneagram or any self-identifying understanding of who you are and how you behave and your patterns to help you start to break free from what Paul calls the flesh, mm-hmm. or in the Passion Version, setting up base camp in the natural realm, yeah. and that's your that's your ego saying this. I need this need to. I have this need that needs to be met still this way, mm-hmm. instead of allowing the Holy Spirit ushered in by Jesus Christ for us to, well, Holy Spirit's always been around, but Christ lived completely in line with his authentic self, mm-hmm. in line with Holy Spirit all the time. Right, but even him, he said, he did not reveal himself to all people. So this being healthy doesn't necessarily mean you spill your guts and you're completely open to every person on everything oh, all the time. Oh, it's not even close to being as black and white as that. Yeah. Living from your authentic self is listening to the Holy Spirit. Right. So I wanted to read um, part of the book here, just a couple of paragraphs um, in this one spot where she's talking about our intellectual center, our spiritual center, and our social center or styles. All of this is, again, within the context of Enneagram, but I think there's still some takeaway, even if you don't participate in understanding the, the Enneagram. 
So this is what she calls the spiritual center, which helped me kind of put some, put a blanket around this ethereal thing called your spirit Mm -hmm. so that you can identify it. Earlier, she says, earlier I directed your attention to the open space in the middle of the Enneagram drawing, suggesting this represents our spiritual union with God, the true center of who we are. We have a spiritual intelligence or what could be called our inner knowing. As indicated in 1 Corinthians 2.11, the knowing of our thoughts is linked to our spirits. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What exactly is our spirit? This fundamental yet complex question deserves a thorough exploration that is beyond the scope of this book, but it's interesting to note that a few scriptures differentiate between the soul and the spirit as two distinct acts of our being. See 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and Hebrews 4.12. Many theologians define the soul as the combination of our emotions, mind, and will, our heart, head, and gut. They then define the spirit as the innermost part where God dwells, where we are in union with the divine and where we spiritually discern the deeper truths of life. Thus, our spiritual intelligence and our union with God are vital aspects of who we are and are critical to the process of our spiritual formation. How does this relate to the Enneagram? Look at the Enneagram drawing. Now imagine a tight fist at each of the nine points around the circle. These fists symbolize the grip of the compulsive and distorted nature of each type pattern, similar to the seed coat that doesn't want to be released. When our adapted self clings to all our self-protective and unredeemed ways of being, we can be closed, stuck, and unreceptive to God's love and direction. Now imagine a burst of light in the middle of the drawing. This center space represents the loving union of our spirit with God's spirit, and the place where the fullness of God dwells within us. When we loosen our grip and let go as God draws us toward this center, we gain spiritual knowing, which is connected and aligned with the love and presence of God's heart, mind, and will. This is spiritual transformation. Finally, consider this exciting reality. If we are in the middle of the circle, we are equidistant from all the other Enneagram types. This means that the more our lives are centered with God, the more we will experience and express all the divine attributes and the wow qualities of all the types. We will naturally embody more goodness, more love, more hope, more depth, more wisdom, more faithfulness, more joy, more power, and more peace. Isn't that what you truly desire? I sure do. And I think that links so beautifully to the fruit of the spirit, which is what we just talked about there in Galatians. Or we haven't got there yet, but I read about it. Mm -hmm. So that kind of helps. Those pictures kind of help with these ideas about, well, what does it mean to walk in the spirit? And to be honest, most of our listeners do walk in the spirit. Y'all are Christians and have great history with God and knowing him and knowing you know how to identify with him and know how to identify yourself through him um this is just a good reminder that when i find i've lost some sense of freedom in a situation or even in my own thinking about something it's usually because i'm still hanging on to a seed coating of my adapted self and i think that's what paul's trying to get at like somehow 
the way that these people in Galatia were living was whoever was coming in and teaching them, no, you need this system. You mm-hmm. need to be circumcised. You need to follow the religious rules in order to be a full human, a fully human or accepted by God. Or I don't even know what the why was on this, to be honest. But somehow they were accepting that because there must have been something familiar, which we've talked about already, and comfortable about this this seed coating for them to say, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, living by the Spirit, this feels a little nebulous Yeah. at one level. You know, and, and that's what I find, like, I've walked in the spirit a whole lot of my life, like in, in, in actual understanding of walking in the spirit. I mean, I've walked with the spirit my whole life, but in actual awareness of, you know, I've just spent a lot of my life being aware of God. And yet there are still areas in my life where I find I'm still clinging to a little piece of something that makes mm-hmm. me feel good, you know, and I think, oh, do I really feel free by clinging on to this habit of mind or habit of of reaction or whatever it is? There's, there are still places in my life that I get another day yet to practice and go, oh, I can have a new revelation about this and live in a different place of freedom and in, in a place of freedom in a different place of how than how I normally live. And like you said, sometimes those can be really big things and sometimes those can be kind of small things. And both are essential to feeling, feeling fulfilled as a human being. (coughs) Sorry. So while you're coughing, I'll go ahead and say the other thing here. Okay. So she talks, she actually has the other thing I like about this book is she has some nice practical ways of being able to identify what might be causing you to stay tripped up in that natural realm um, in your thinking and ways to break three. So she calls this the summary of the own up process. Own up. There's five little steps here. Own, O-W-N, up, U-P. So the first one, O, is observe. Briefly describe, so in your own mind, like give yourself the time and attention. It does Mm -hmm. take attention, time and attention to break free from some things, Mm -hmm. especially the older we get. Sure. Or especially the deeper the trauma or the deeper the the lie or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. It takes time. So here's an, here's a, I shouldn't say easy. Here's a simple way to an easy do a process. It's not easy. It takes time. Six step. Okay. So process. first observe, briefly describe the triggering situation. Take note of your actions, thoughts, emotions, and body sensations. As you notice what just triggered you to want to respond in a way that doesn't feel very free. W welcome. Receive the experience and observations without judgment, explanation, or justification. Open yourself to God's presence and love. Be curious. N. Name. Identify the underlying motivations. Consider the key elements of your Enneagram pattern. What core needs are you trying to meet in this situation? Esteem, affection, safety, security, power, or control? Where's your focus or attention directed? What do you fear? What are you avoiding? What is the divine gift of your Enneagram type? How are you trying to express it in this situation? You, untangle. 
What causes the most tension and restriction in you? Identify what seems to have the strongest hold on you. Gently loosen and disown that what comes into your awareness and relax. P. Possess. Notice and receive what emerges as you let go. Identify any new feelings, thoughts, and body sensations. Affirm your true identity as God's beloved. Express gratitude to God and rest. And you can do this, you know, it can just be a mental exercise. Often, if you actually write some things down, that seems to stick in a different way in your brain. So journaling, or maybe even just talking it out with a trusted person, um, or talking it out loud to yourself. There's, I find that it, it really does help. In fact, my therapist has something that's very similar to that. I think hers is only a four-step. This one's a five, but... Um, I find that curious that that it was the same kind of process, Mm -hmm. but my psychologist or my therapist, she's not a psychologist. She's coming at it from not necessarily a Christian point of view, but, but I wonder if Paul is kind of saying that, like, is there a way that Paul's saying kind of the same process? Know who you are in Christ. What are these contentions that you have going Mm -hmm. on? What are these things that are pulling you through? Like, I feel like he's doing the same thing. Only just it's in Bible language. And sometimes it's hard for me to read things in the Bible and be like, oh, I can't get the grasp of it because it feels like, you know, I don't know. It doesn't feel as relevant to my life. Right. So what you brought up was an inch. I'm going to call that a tool. And yes, definitely. I, I find... And this goes back to our legalism. How does legalism creep creep in? And, you know, we always tell kids that's hugs, not drugs. So my new one is tools, not rules. Hey, hey, I like it. Tools, not rules. (laughs) So if we wreck it, I mean, how many times have you been to a somebody teaching you about healing, about how to get filled with the spirit, how to do this, how to do that? And you can come out there feeling with, it's not working for me. What's wrong with me? And it's like, well, that was a tool that they used that helped them. That doesn't mean it's the rule. And then similarly, we can find tools where we don't apply them correctly, right? You can use a screwdriver as a chisel if you want, but it's not the correct tool. Sometimes it's good enough but it really isn't the right tool Mm -hmm. for a chisel. And it's learning to say, God has given me a toolbox. And as we mature and grow, we get more of these tools like own up and can consciously go, oh, oh yeah, I need to go walk through this and think about this. Does that tool apply to everything? No. Yes. (laughs) No. It probably applies to a lot of stuff. I wonder if that's a guy-girl thing. But, well, I think that's where we can get in bondage, just say, oh, I always have to do this. No, I would not. I, to me, it is a very freeing tool. It's like, right. so use <gasps> oh, it yeah, I have right. something that I can go to when I'm feeling all boogered up. There you go. But it's yeah. a great tool for that. Right. So tools, not rules. And I think that's kind of we got to come to. And then you get jump. I'm going to just... You know, I'm going to have to just at least touch on this, you know, because he talks about the uh, the acts of the flesh and list them. And, and he says, as I, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, often we keep thinking they, people can view that as you'll lose your salvation or you don't get to go to heaven if you do that. And if you look at the list, it's like what? So if you're ever jealous, you don't go to heaven or you lose your salvation. It's like, no, inherit the kingdom of God doesn't mean get saved. It means I'm receiving, that's an inheritance. I'm receiving the benefits of the kingdom of God, which already exists and is already here. Jesus declared the presence of the kingdom of God. Our inheritance in the kingdom of God is the fact that we get to participate in that, receive that, and delight in that. And so the whole blessing of the kingdom of God is we get all this stuff is available to us. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not, so not inheriting the kingdom of God doesn't mean I'm losing salvation. It means I'm not getting the stuff right now because I'm not taking advantage of it. I'm ignoring that which I have. It goes back to the very beginning of the book. He basically said, this is your inheritance you were given, you had since you were born or created and you're now entering into it in Christ. This is your birthright. This is what you're supposed to have. And whether we go through legalism or licentiousness, both of those rob us from our inheritance, which is life, freedom, abundance, and all the goodness that God wants to give us. And how do we get back to there? Sometimes we just have to go, oh, Whoops, that was wrong. Sometimes we have to go read the five steps and kind of mentally go, wait a minute, what's going on? Sometimes if you're stuck in a pattern, yeah, you have to do that or just start going, hey, why do I repeat this pattern all the time? Why does this seem to always happen to me? Um, You know, people I've known people say, why does bad things always happen to me? Like, I don't know. Either one of two things is going on there. Either A, they don't and you're just, perceiving that or B they are in which case start taking a look at it look at the patterns start of your life for wisdom pray for wisdom ask God say hey why is this stuff happening to me <laughs> because maybe there is a reason maybe it's because you're doing dumb stuff I don't know maybe it's because there's evil things around you and you need to war against it talk to God he'll help you out with that yeah because you have an inheritance so yeah, yeah. Anyways, we finish it up, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those Against who, such things, there, there is, is no, no law. law. There is no restriction. There is no limit. There is nothing that can say, okay, well, you have enough peace now. Now you have to not have it. You, you've used up all your quota of peace. Okay. That's what I I hear from that. Like against such, there is nothing that can say you don't get more. Right. You don't get what you need when you need it. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, past tense, crucified the flesh, sarks, with its passions and desires. Guess what? You don't have a sinful nature that dominates you. Now, can you choose to go back and be dumb? Yes, you can still choose to go back and be dumb. (laughs) And that's where I think some of those patterns right. trip those us up. Right, patterns and habits. You and know, it, it, are we choosing it? Yes, but sometimes we don't realize we're choosing it. Yeah. 
Like sometimes we're, I'm choosing a path of a thought pattern or a behavior and I don't even realize I don't have to think like this anymore. Right. Like it takes a while sometimes for that to come to light. That's it a takes great a one. lifetime. Yeah. There's a great one just to say, I don't have to think this right now. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> like he says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and env- envying each other. What do we do? live by the spirit yeah that that little hit gives it that, that verse 20 what is that 26 uh-huh. that's a little hint of maybe what was going on what legalism was producing mm. legalism was producing conceited provoking and envying each other it has to yeah because i mean there if are you have legalism all you're, you're either going to be i feel bad because i'm not doing good enough or mm-hmm. i feel better that i'm better than the other people mm-hmm. that's there is no it, you have to mm-hmm that's the natural result of legalism. Yeah. So. Tools, not rules. Tools. Hey, guys, we hope you find some tools to help you in this journey of life to feel free in your spirit and to know the truth of Christ in you, the hope of all glory. If you'd like to have some conversation about it or would like to hear about some other tools, because we do have a few others, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us through email at podcast at grace.world. If you go on the interwebs mm-hmm. <laughs> at grace.world, you'll see there's a place where you can subscribe and get our weekly email that tells you we have a podcast. Or you can call us or text us at one eight three three eight five G R A C E. We'd love to hear from you. Or maybe you have some tools that we don't know about, mm-hmm. and we'd love to hear what those are because we are open to that for sure. So either way, we hope you're encouraged. We are thankful for you. We are thankful for um, this life in Christ. <laughs> wow, what a journey it is! It's mm-hmm. a good one. I think that's it. All right. Have a great week, everybody. We love you. Goodbye.